Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're going with you right now. We are at your service. My name is Johnny Rabbit. We've, oh, I forgot a couple of things. I, I, our guest, uh, Ryan Grice. Ryan, have you seen the movie A Man Called Otto by any chance? I've not seen that yet. Have you heard about it? I've heard. It has Tom Hanks in it, right? Tom Hanks is in it. Okay. I just had a, where our official reviewer, uh, James J. Gribben Esquire, reports that he and his accomplice Rose liked it and gave uh, raves to the acting of Tom Hanks. Somebody else also said it was a very depressing movie. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Mr. Gribben also said uh, that the popcorn cost more than his ticket to the show. <laughs> and I don't think he was kidding. Oh, and I've got to uh, finalize. Uh, you heard John Gunther's uh, five places that he said you got to take a look at. My five buildings in downtown St. Louis, bounded by 4th and Tucker, Lucas and Market, are the Missouri Athletic Club. Really take a close look at that all the way to the top because it changes. What you see in the first couple of floors is different than the next three or four floors, and then it gets different again. The Orpheum Theater, one of my favorites, at 9th and St. Charles. And what a beautiful building from 1917, the 1010 Pine Street Southwestern Bell Building, which is kind of similar to our Park Pacific Building. Uh, we did talk about the Railway Exchange, and uh, also on my list is the Civil Courts Building. Well, our guest is Ryan Grice, and what Ryan's going to tell us about, I guess, is somewhat of a, um, a mystery story about a painting, a, a painting that, uh, so to speak, has been kind of hanging around St. Louis, though it's not hanging anywhere right now, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's been, um, it was acquired by the St. Louis Public Schools back in 1902. Wow. Oh, 1902. 1902. Now, why did they, now, this is not a St. Louis artist. that did It's did not this. a St. Louis artist. It's an artist from the greater Cincinnati area. His name? His name is Frank Duvenek, and he was part of the Society of Western Artists. It was a group that was really made up to help promote Midwest artists uh, at the time, they had a lot of competition from the East Coast. They had galleries, they had exhibition halls, uh, and the artists there naturally had a, a, an upper hand in selling their art. And so this was a way to gather a group of Midwest artists that were really interested in producing art and living and ha having a comfortable life in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. So this was a painting that Frank Duvenek created, uh, and... It was, again, it was acquired by the St. Louis Public Schools in 1902 as a, really as a way to help educate and inspire area uh, schools and area students. Uh, you know, obviously at the time they didn't have uh, much in the way of being able to, uh, you know, find out about, about U.S. artists and, and being inspired. And sure. even at the time, uh, a lot of museums weren't in existence and so this is a way to bring the art to the school. So it went to, that's just not one painting. They had a lot of, they had a big archive, didn't they? They have a, a, a pretty nice archive. And at this time they acquired, I believe it was five or six paintings uh, to their collection from mm -hmm. this Society of Western Artists. So, and, and uh, these were purchased by a series of donations by some of the area's most wealthy 
uh, philanthropists and then turned around and donated to the school. And there was uh, a, kind of a, um, a promotion within the St. Louis Post-Dispatch at the time to draw uh, or to, to figure out which schools were going to be the schools to get these five paintings. Mm-hmm. And the Duvenek painting uh, titled Yacht Harbor was the top prize. Wow, that's I, great. I, I believe it was purchased at the time for about $250 to $300. And to give you an idea of the value today, it's worth between $100,000 and $200,000. Right. That's incredible. And it's just sitting on the floor somewhere? Yeah. So um, I, back in 2020, I was interested in this artist. Uh, he happens to hail from where I grew up. And so I had this big, dumb question in my head. Had Frank Duvenek ever been to St. Louis? And uh, long story short, I found out that not only had he been to St. Louis, but he was at the 1904 World's Fair mm-hmm. and had a piece there and was part of the jury exhibition, uh, the, the, you know, the, one of the jury members for the paintings group. And he had three paintings there, and I figured out where two of them were. And this one piece, Yacht Harbor, Mm -hmm. I could not find. I could not locate. And so uh, I spent the larger part of a year trying to track this painting down. Wow. Really by mere curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all I had to go on was some documentation from the St. Louis Art Museum a black and white photo of the painting on the wall during the World's Fair. And again, that's by and large all I had to go on. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create this timeline from 1902 till today, and there were some huge gaps in there. And what I realized was that twice in the 120-year history of this painting, the painting itself has been lost. And so... Uh, once in the 1930s. What happened to it then? It was sitting in a dusty corridor of one of the school buildings. Uh-huh. They didn't really know what they had at the time. It had been sitting there likely for decades. Uh, and the Cincinnati Art Museum was doing an exhibition on Frank Duvenek and knew that the St. Louis Public Schools owned the piece. But again, the people, the individuals at the school uh, had no idea that this painting had been sitting there uh, for decades. And so it was found and then ultimately exhibited and put into a safe downtown in downtown St. Louis at the Board of uh, Education building. And then it was on loan for 60 years at the St. Louis Art Museum. And they took meticulous documentation on it. And then it was in the 90s, I believe, kind of pulled back the superintendent at the time of the St. Louis Public Schools wanted that painting back. Mm-hmm. And why did they want it back? I'm not sure. Okay. Um I I to be honest, I'm not sure. Um and so what ultimately happened to it was it sat or it hung in the archives building, which was a former school on King's Highway. Hmm. Uh and then in the late 90s, I believe, or early 2000s, actually, late 90s or early 2000s, the building itself was sold. 
and all of the archives and all of the artworks that were sitting in there kind of had to make a mad rush out the door <laughs> to somewhere else, yeah. right? Um, and so they were kind of hastily removed and moved to wherever, and we didn't know where that wherever was. I didn't know. And so a lot of research, a lot of interviewing with the former archivist, uh, again, just to fill in that timeline to figure out where the heck this painting could be. Mm -hmm. Because in speaking with the superintendent, uh, Dr. Kelvin Adams, and a few other people at St. Louis Public Schools, um, they were not familiar with the painting. They were not familiar with the artist. And so, uh, you know, all of this effort almost went, went, um, you know, was, was, I don't know, you know, ultimately, um, we had a few strokes of luck. We found, I think, I believe they worked with someone at the Missouri History Museum Mm -hmm. who came in at one point and documented all of the archives and artworks with photographs. And that was my first image, color image of the painting Yacht Harbor. And I felt like that was a huge relief and that motivated me to keep going on. And ultimately, we did find it. It was at uh, one of the essentially abandoned school buildings. and sitting there. Just sitting there. It was on the floor, uh, propped up against the wall with other artworks stacked on top of it or in front of it. And one thing that I noticed was that there was now a tear in the painting just above the signature. Uh, So I'm guessing that whatever company moved all of the archives and all of the paintings weren't really the type that cared too much about how it made it there. (laughs) The quality of it when it it got there. What a value that it has today. But but what's going to happen to it? That's a great question. You, um, you now, how did you get involved in it? Why sure. you? Why are you the person <laughs> trying to save this painting? Yeah, that's I get asked that quite a bit. Uh, I guess the short answer is I've got pretty much no skin in the game. I'm mm-hmm. not a, an art historian. Um, this just came upon me at a time where I was growing increasingly interested in this artist, Frank Duvenek. Uh, I realized that I had been influenced by him at an early age, again, being from that same area, uh, seeing his artwork at the museum at the libraries. But I really didn't remember that until around 2019. And then just by default of my nature, I started inquiring and looking into it and researching it. Mm. And all of it led to this. So I don't own the painting. Um, but the I've, schools own the, the painting. school owns the painting. They don't want to sell it. They don't want to sell it. That's right. They would like to... Uh, give it to someone on long-term loan, whether it's a public institution or a corporation, someone that's willing to not only display it, but also restore it and conserve it. Doesn't necessarily mean someone here in St. Louis. Could be Cincinnati, Covington, Kentucky, where he's from. Correct, correct. Um, They would prefer it be someone within the local uh, St. Louis area. Uh, But I got involved, and I, I would love to see this painting back on the wall given high regard once again, uh, you know, 120 years later and see it in a state of care once again. 
We're going to talk more about this this mysterious painting that is discovered, but the future for the painting is unknown at this time. I, I do know something about our future. Joe Vaccaro will be in studio with us here uh, just a little bit. Joe Vaccaro is an alderman in the city of St. Louis. Uh, you may have seen him recently, a lot of newscasts talking about the aldermanic pay increase. We'll talk more about that later on. This is At Your Service, and I'm Johnny Rabbit at KMOX. Hey, you said it, and you did it. Look, it's right there, and you played KMOX, and you found Ryan Grice on the other end of your radio. He's here at the microphone right now. We were talking about this Frank Duvenek painting worth how much money? Currently, it's worth between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars. How do you describe the the art? Is this a, a classical art, or it's not modernistic? It's no, no. Again, he he lived from eighteen forty eight until nineteen nineteen, mm-hmm. so the late nineteenth to early twentieth century, and he is credited for being one of the first artists to really bring in uh, the Munich style of painting to the United States and. Uh, he was a, a an artist that painted in realism. Realism isn't necessarily the t- the type of high detail that you would think of, possibly. Uh, but realism refers to the type of subject matter that one might paint. Um, so at the time, the Hudson School of Art mm-hmm. was really painting these idyllic uh, landscapes, uh, you know, kind of romanticist. Uh, style of painting and Duvenek on the other hand was bringing in uh, people off the street to Mm. paint Mm -hmm. the subject matter was real it was gritty and the Munich style was tended to be these darker thicker uh, brush strokes where if you can imagine a subject standing in front of a, a black background where you don't really know where the the silhouette of the individual ends and, oh. and the background wow. begins. So these really dramatic pieces with dramatic lighting, and he's credited for really kind of changing a little bit of the artistic landscape. His paintings are in, in museums now. I mean, he's not a, a forgotten artist. He's forgotten in a lot of, lot of aspects, but correct, there are a lot of museums around the United States that's that own Duvenek paintings, etchings, and sculptures. And the St. Louis Art Museum is one of them. They own, I believe, two or three etchings, as well as one or two paintings. One is on permanent display. It's a painting of, it's called The Bridges. Uh, it was painted in Florence, Italy, which Duvenek spent uh, several good years there of painting and teaching as well. Hmm. Now, what about the art museum? Do they would they want this painting back? That's interesting. You know, I'm not sure that they necessarily want this painting back. They, from what I heard at the time in the early 2000s, they asked the superintendent if they could continue keeping it on loan. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, but but that was that that effort was denied. Hmm. And right now. You know, I don't believe that they are necessarily interested in it. There is a, a, a cost acquire or a cost associated with pulling this in and conserving it and restoring it. Plus, let's be honest, uh, times change. Artistic true. interests That's change. True. You know, it could be a matter of the... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The board of, uh, you know, at the museum that uh, would like, you know, paintings to reflect a different style or different vibe. So um, Frank Duvenick paintings are amazing pieces of artwork, but they don't necessarily fit into a lot of uh, museums' interests or portfolios today. Not to say they won't, though, in the future. Now, you have uh, brought a newspaper clipping there, and that's a, a picture of the picture, and this was from when? Yeah, so I have a an old newspaper scrap from 1936, and the title of the article is Forgotten Oil Painting in School, Valuable Canvas. Um, so, again, I mentioned over the course of 120-something years, this particular Duvenek painting has been lost and found twice, <laughs> and this is the first time it was lost. It was back in 1936. Um, the Cincinnati Art Museum was interested in putting putting together a retrospective exhibition on Frank Duvenek, and they knew that the St. Louis Public Schools owned this particular piece that they wanted to to use. So they contacted them, and the St. Louis Public Schools didn't really know where it was. Mm. And after a lot of looking around, it was found in this dark corridor of one of the school buildings uh, with a you know nice layer of dust on it, far from yeah, the, yeah. the opulence of, of hanging on the uh, St. Louis Art Museum wall back in 1904. I have a feeling that an institution that may have an interest in this is the Mercantile Art mm. Museum in St. Louis, part of the Mercantile Library, University of Missouri, St. Louis, which is uh, having a big expansion for exhibition space. And I've I am on the board of the Art Museum, and I think one of the things that uh, we found there in their old location, which was at Broadway and Locust, on the top floor, uh, the fifth floor of a six-story building, uh, when they were about to move out, uh, there's big bookcases and bookcases, and way on the top of this was found this very large, and I can't, I, I should know the painting, but I, I can't, <laughs> but it was absolutely black because of coal dust mm -hmm. over who knows how many years. Yeah. And now it is presented right in their main lobby area of the Mercantile Library. So that's a place that might be interested in this. Are you going to contact people? Uh, are you going out and uh, giving a pitch? I would love to. I, I have done a little bit of that, but not much yet. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I've wanted St. Louis Public Schools to get their first shot at kind sure. of, you know, utilizing their connections and their networks. But uh, I, I definitely continue to what I call be the gadfly, uh, <laughs> because I'm not done with this project. You know, I, I didn't imagine it would take this long to not only find the painting, but to secure it in a, in a, uh, a, a good environment again. But um, I'm not one to quit, so good. I'm, I'm going to see this through. Well, it's also making of a good documentary here, or at least a podcast <laughs> or something to document all of the things that have gone on with this mysterious painting going back... 1902. Was that when it was painted in 19? It was painted in 1902, and it was uh, sold to 
St. Louis in 1902. And if people want to reach you, is there, uh, do you have a way if somebody says, you know, I can help with this or I'd like to look into it? Sure, sure, definitely. How do they do that? Uh, I, my email is Ryan Grice, that's G-R-E-I-S, as in Sam, at gmail.com. Ryan Grice at gmail.com. Correct. And well, I, I also uh, teach on the side, and I've got a website that you can find my contact information as well. It's drawn.studio. What is that again? Drawn, D-R-A-W-N, dot studio. Dot studio. We've got it. We'll uh, continue this mystery. And maybe it'll be resolved. Maybe hope, the next time we meet, it's going to have a long one day. day. Is. <laughs> Thanks for all your hard work on this. I appreciate, appreciate it, John. John Polonius, uh, too, for uh, being involved in this project exactly. as well. He wrote a great book on, on uh, well, there Charles it is, Parsons. Right there. Yes. Yeah, that that, I was, that's that a I... book for another time. Though, exactly. But, but it, is, it is a book. We'll get life him in and, here. Yeah, the life and we, uh, Charles is going to come in. No, oh, no, no, John, yeah, he, I hope not. Charles Parsons has been dead for quite a while. I know he has. Uh, this hopefully is John will come in here. Missouri's Charles Parsons, Between Art and War, an interesting book. Uh, my name is Johnny Rabbit. Our show is at your service. Joe Vaccaro, Alderman in St. Louis, is going to be next here on KMOX. That's it. Then this is Johnny Rabbit at your service. It's 2.33 in St. Louis at KMOX, and Joe Vaccaro is here. And Joe, Joe, I've... Who's your associate here? This is oh, my my chief of staff, Greg Meyer. Uh, in fact, <laughs> Greg actually holds the record as the most uh, announced as the uh, honorable guest at the board of aldermen. He sits with me at my desk at every meeting. It's that right? Well, no place else to go, huh? Just <laughs> no, it keeps me off the streets. Gosh, well, that's a, and he's got a beautiful uh, uniform that you've given him. It's very nice, very uh, official when, looking. You remember that song, Nothing from Nothing? Oh, yes, yeah, Billy him. Preston. So he gets, yeah. He gets, yeah, he gets paid nothing. Well, you're going to have all this new money coming in with the uh, 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 new uh, pay. Uh, well, yeah, I, I would strongly hope, and I've been saying this over and over and over again, in my opinion, we're overpaid to start with. How much is it? Thirty six. Yeah, almost forty thousand dollars a year well, with, with the with the per diem. Yeah. The county council, which is way bigger area, only gets twenty. A state rep that has a gigantically large area only gets about thirty eight. So you know, I mean, for these guys to say, well, we're worth around what's going to turn out to be around eighty thousand dollars, is an absolute, absolute slap in the face. To every police officer, firefighter, the people that pick up our trash, a, a, a police officers only in the fifties. I mean, and I watch my language. Yeah, I <laughs> hope so. Because of, uh, we got a delay button, I hope. But <laughs> um, but what I, what I can say is, it is absolutely crazy. I am just opposed to it. Well, who's for I, it? Who? And where well, did it come apparently from? Apparently, seventeen people. Uh, voted for it 17 last week. Seventeen all the people voted for it last week. I would hope it's going to take fifteen for it to pass. Okay, now how many older people do we have now? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight, and that's 20, going to be cut. Twenty-seven. To twenty-seven. Uh, well, twenty-seven because the one seat is empty lies. since Megan Green is now the president uh, of the see. board. So that's going to be reduced to fourteen. That's for sure. That's for sure. And the wards are going to be larger. Double. Sure. Coverage. They'll be area. double. But you know when you look at it. You know, and you say, well, uh, oh, it's, it's going to be twice as many people. Well, back 15, 20 years ago, 
when there were more people living in the city, those smaller areas did represent a lot more people. So, you know, and and on top of this, they want a two-person staff. So not only, I mean, this is this is not the right thing to do. Who oh, no, what staff? And what do you mean by a staff? Well, e- each older person would get two people to do the job because it will still be a part-time job even though they'll say, well, technically we do like 38 hours. No. We don't have to show up. So when you say technically, well, we're probably answering phone calls and doing stuff. Sure. Man, we might be, but you know the salary. You know what it pays. Before you bother to take the darn thing, don't take it. If you don't like the money, don't do the job. You got that wherever you work. If you go interview for a job and they say, this is what we we're going to pay you to do it, and you don't like that salary, then don't do the job. Mm-hmm. But to say, gee, you know what? We're the only group in the city of St. Louis that is going to be able to double our own salary. That's Firefighters, police, medics. You know, a paramedic has to go through years of school. Oh, sure. Have a license. All we have to do is win a popularity contest. <laughs> That's true. That is it so is, true. I mean, I'm not that great. I won a popularity contest. It didn't make me smarter than anybody on the block. Now, what about summer? Are you still have the summers off, or is there, are there activities in the summer? Well, yeah, I mean, so, yes, during the summer months, you're off. You're off for a long Christmas break. you got a spring break that you're off. So there's a lot well, of time off. It, it does depend on what you mean by being off. There are no board meetings during that time, mm-hmm. but you still have people calling you saying, my trash wasn't picked up, yeah, my oh, sidewalk oh, yeah. needs to be repaired. Yeah. You know, can you help me with this issue? So Yeah, and you have to respond. Yes. Well, you should. Yeah, well, you should, and <laughs> hopefully I, everybody I, does. I respond to all my constituents. Oh, I believe calls. that. Now, what is the geographic boundaries of the 23rd Ward right now, the ward that well, exists? The ward as it exists now, if you're familiar with the neighborhoods, it's more or less the Tillis Park and Lindenwood Park area. Mm-hmm. St. Joan of Arc Church, Epiphany Church by Catholic churches. So it's at southwest end of the city. The new ward... What would be the number of the new ward? The new ward will be, and the one I'd be in, would be the fourth ward. Fourth ward. Now, that's going to be a lot bigger area. Yeah, it starts at... Um, Chippewa. Yeah. City limits. Then goes up to Clayton, Oakland. Mm-hmm. And then right on the, the east, it's Hampton. And then when you get to Manchester, it goes east to Mackland. And then up Mackland to Oakland. But basically, it's between the city limits and Hampton from Chippewa up to Oakland. I see. Well, okay, that's a lot bigger. It is, but you know what? The NSOs, or and and what is that? NIS, the Neighborhood Improvement, Improvement Specialist, specialist. Hmm. the one that was doing uh, the twenty third and twenty fourth ward, which is the same territory. They were doing that and answering calls and doing it for a lot less than what the aldermen uh, want to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and this isn't a campaign thing. This is just. Something that I think is just crazy, you know, to say, you know, I, 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 and I'm repeating myself, but I think it's just crazy. I well, think I was it's wrong. Kind of, what, is, what happens now? It's been proposed. Well, uh, and, and, and it actually has been perfected because everybody's like, oh, well, we'll change it to a lower level. But they didn't do that. They perfected it. So that means that this Friday they could take a vote to raise their salary. And I hope to God. The mayor likes to veto stuff. This is one she should veto. 
So she has the veto power. It's a board bill. So I would think that she has the power to veto it. And I, I believe she should. I don't know if she will. She vetoes other stuff. I, so you think it's going to pass then as far as the board is concerned? Well, I would say that people should look at who's voting for this mm-hmm. because I think it's wrong. And uh, I, I just absolutely think it's wrong. I, I, I you know... Um, you know, and, until we can pay our employees, you know, I mean, it would I be, did notice that one of the older persons who is running for reelection abstained and did not vote on it hmm. because that way, you know, they're not going to be increasing their own salary mm-hmm. by their vote. Hmm. He's the only one. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's, that's actually my good friend at Shane. Uh, he's running on a post. So. He has to abstain because otherwise he would be voting on his own salary increase. Um, How many people are going to run, in, uh, for example, in your ward? Do, I mean, are there several people running for the aldermanic position now? And when is the election? Well, there's three people running in, in the new fourth ward. I see. And are they uh, aldermen or? Well, yeah, myself. And then there's what? another alderman. And then uh, just an, another person, uh, citizen that's running um and yes the first tuesday in march march 7th and the first tuesday in april uh, and and, and you're going to be in both because there are even though we're democrats for the most part there you can't run as a democrat in the city anymore Mm -hmm. right right and the other crazy part you can vote for everybody on the ballot on the first go-round so the top two... It's so weird. Yeah, well, the top two <laughs> run off against each other. So if somebody gets 99% of the vote, you still got to run against the other person that got 1%. Gosh darn it. How strange. It is strange. It really is. Um, how long, have Joe, have you been in office? 14 years. Wow. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I think I have a reputation of, of taking care of my constituency. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I agree know, with that. You know, I, I also get myself in trouble sometimes with because <laughs> I will say whatever's on my mind, and sometimes it doesn't work so well. But I've, I've never professed to be any more than just a South Side, I say South Side Hoosier, but a South Side working class person. You know, whether it was the car wash and auto repair, you know, you had that business on Hampton. Oh, yeah, I had that for a family. long time. Oh, yeah, I did a, a long time. I sold it way back uh, because after I got elected, I found that you couldn't do both things and do both things well. Mm-hmm. I couldn't run the car wash and make sure the cars and were coming out right and, uh, you know, just, it just and, and answer constituent calls because you can have somebody answer the calls for you. You can tell them to call Citizen Service Bureau. Sure. But... And they're it, a very, very good Citizen Service Bureau. Uh, does a good job. It is, but, you know, I, I like and prefer people also call me because this way I go to their house. I look at what the problem is, and I can get a hold of the heads of the different departments. Now, Greg, what, what, do you, what is your official title? I am a house husband. <laughs> Yes, I'm a retired teacher, and uh, my wife is younger than I am. She's still working, so I'm a house husband. And what about with Joe? What is your I'm his chief of staff. Chief I, of staff. I'm my like salary that. is very high. I bet it uh, is. So, yeah. 
All right, we're going to come back. Oh, I have a pen and paper ready. And, and I'm mad at you because you abandoned us when I was at McBride High School, and <laughs> so I couldn't blab it to the rabbit anymore, Not anymore. because you left. So, yes. <laughs> It's very nice of you to remember that. There mm-hmm. we were, right? Catty Corner across from McBride right across, High School. Yes. Next to the park yes. floor at 1600 park North Kings Highway. Sure. Yeah, Sherman Park. Those sure. are great days. Oh, great yes. memories. Thank you for remembering. Uh, Greg and Joe, Joe Vaccaro, Alderman from the 23rd Ward, soon to be the 4th Ward. Uh, we'll be right back. And uh, did you bring the recipe? Which one? You told me the you were going to bring recipe. the spaghetti sauce recipe. Oh, oh man. no. Darn. Ah, we'll be right back at KMOX. Darn it. At your service, this is Johnny Rabbit. Greg and Joe are here. Uh, Joe is the alderman, and Greg is the chief of staff of Alderman Joe Vaccaro. Uh, and uh, Joe, well, you really let us down. I, you I, said, I want to bring my secret spaghetti sauce recipe. I thought you were kidding. You didn't bring it. No, no. Well, it's a secret. It's a secret. Maybe we, the next time. But, you know, I'll tell you what. Yes. I do know. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, so, uh, Mr. Benacasa... The, the the father of the owner of uh, Seamus McDaniel's on the Hill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, w- w- used to hang out at the car wash. And what he told me, and I've done this, instead of using water in the sauce with your tomato paste, sure. he told me to use tomato juice or V8 juice. It's got the vegetables in it. <laughs> and, and, and you do, and I use the low sodium and oh, instead good. of the water, and it really does make the sauce. That's a good thing. That there's a good tip. So we'll give you that tip. And we'll have that tip, and we'll get the, the full recipe sometime. Uh, we've had a, uh, several uh, noted people pass away. Uh, uh, Greg Romberg from uh, New Way Construction Supply, Concrete Work, uh, and his uh, private museum that we talked about earlier today, uh, the um, Antique Warehouse Museum, died just a week ago, uh, I assume, I believe Bob Kramer or Bob Kramer's marionettes uh, probably died in the fire, though they haven't made that official announcement, but that seems to be the case at his place over in Laclede. What, what an interesting place that was. And one of the one of the finest politicians that I know of, and Tom Villa, is I, and 77 I, years old. I had the honor of serving with Tom, and Tom was someone that I try to be like, I kind of learned all this under Mr. Slay, not the mayor, but the mayor's dad, mm-hmm. that you take care of your constituents and you don't be a big shot. And if you do that, good advice. You'll, you'll, you're there forever. So, you know, and, and Tom was like that, you know, Tom would take care of his, his constituents. Uh, like Greg was saying, his, his institutional knowledge was just unbelievable. Oh Yeah. I mean, he was he was just sure. He served as a state representative, served as president of the board of aldermen, and I remember talking with him one time when I was in Jefferson City, and his term limits were taking effect. Mm-hmm. So many of the people who had a great deal of knowledge about lawmaking on the state level, they were all being termed out, and so the people who had the most knowledge were the lobbyists, <laughs> as opposed to the elected yeah. officials. Yeah. It is interesting. Uh, a person who's listening today is Joe Holloman. From the Post Dispatch, have you seen his new column now? It's changed. Yeah, and the well, and and I I do you know I have the post on my I get it on my phone, mm-hmm. so I look at the post every day and and uh, now it's know. a political fix, right? Instead of Joe St. Louis, so you who knows you may uh, <laughs> probably uh, might, I think I end up know. in the paper on the news probably more <laughs> more than 
more than most. One, because I'll actually, you know, I give my phone number out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, so then when they call, I answer. And sometimes it's things that uh, are more or less uh, not real pleasant to talk about. But I answer, you know, uh, whether or not I, you know, some of them, you know, you'd want to duck. But what I did find is duck in the paper, duck in the media will only make it more interesting because they'll pursue you. Well, they will pursue you, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're better off, you know, I just always found it's better off just to talk unless it's some top secret. Like oh, I have hid my, uh, uh, when I was a vice president or president, I've hidden top secret papers sure, in my garage. Right. Now that I would avoid, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, apparently this seems to be happening on the uh, both sides of the aisle, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I can see why I would avoid for that. But, yeah. but uh, no, most stuff, I'm pretty much out there. I, How do they find you uh, they, in the media? Do they come to? Uh, uh, when are you at City Hall? I mean, you're not well, there every day, are you? Yeah, I do. I pretty much go every day. And they got my phone number, like everyone. I do want to tell you before before we lose our time, something that I'm working on that's really exciting. Okay. Um, and this this was uh, brought to us by Elliot Davis, obviously. But Oh, yeah. In the county, not the county, but in St. Charles, as the ambulances and police cars are going down the streets, as they get to the lights, the lights all turn green in the direction they're going. Mm-hmm. That has gotten all the way through. It was perfected last Friday. It goes to ENA, the Board of Estimates and Apportionments, this next week. I'm hoping that by this Friday coming up that we will actually have this board bill passed, which then it takes a while for them to... To, to find the company and get it. Oh, sure, you know, it would. But I'm I'm excited about it because, you know, I mean, I've been in an ambulance with <laughs> getting ready for heart open heart surgery was they were rushing me to the hospital. Yeah. And uh, the one thing you don't want to do is sit at a light no. or, you that, know, when you're up yeah. around Barnes Hospital and the yeah. ambulances can't get around. Sure. Oh. And sometimes there's nowhere for the traffic to go right. because they're sitting at a red light and, and there's nowhere for them to go. So it's very difficult for the emergency vehicles to maneuver. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's and that's this is coming up Friday, along with his vote for the money. Yeah, the increase yeah. are staying the same. Well, but, let me think. Yeah, it should. Hopefully, it should come up. Yeah, ENA should be this week, so it mm-hmm. should come up this Friday. Are the uh, meetings of uh, the aldermanic meetings? When are they? The actual? Well, they're mm-hmm. every Friday. They're, not, they're finally in person. All the committee hearings are still by Zoom, which I disagree with. I think that they should be in person. Because here's the, here's my issue with this. We used to go out in the neighborhoods, and we used to have public meetings. And it seems like if you don't have a computer, if you're not computer savvy, if you're not, uh, if you can't afford a computer, you're out. Good point. Very you know, good. We need to, the COVID stuff's over. When you can put a gazillion people in a party room for Christmas parties and whatever, and you see everybody there, quit using COVID as an excuse. Go back to neighborhood public meetings so that people that, you know, don't, are not computer savvy, that can't afford a computer, can be part of what's going on. Very, very good point. Really a good point. What about the uh, video? Do they film or tape? Yeah, the, the, right. The, the, and I do like that. They do tape them. And, of course, uh, you know, a lot of people will play back 
only segments of what they feel like. Uh, on Facebook, if they dislike something you said, they won't leave, put anything before or after. Just, you know, they'll just use that part, mm-hmm. you know. Well, how do you watch that? Where where can you oh, see? Well, uh, you know, uh, Greg, where do you watch it? Greg watches it. I usually, if, if it is being, like if a committee hearing is being done through Zoom, I would watch it on my computer. Mm-hmm. But what about the aldermanic meetings? Are they taped in like an STL TV or somewhere? Yeah, yes, STL TV. If you can get STL TV, there you go. I, we, we, whatever system we have, we don't get STL. Yeah, TV. I don't. I don't get it either. I guess if you have a computer, you can. Can maybe on there as well. Hmm, boy, well the time has gone, Greg. The time has gone, Joe. And where where are you headed now? Off to. Uh, have a big dinner somewhere? Yeah, home, take a nap. <laughs> take a nap. Yeah, this has been trying for He's going to make some spaghetti with that secret sauce yeah, that he I won't give you. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Goodbye, Greg. <laughs> Goodbye, Joe. And thank you. This is Johnny Rabbit, KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.